Thank you all, band. That was awesome. Well, today being Mother's Day, I thought that it would be appropriate that we look at what a mom is to do being a mom in the 21st century. But to do that, I thought we'd take an ancient approach. Uh, in fact, we're going to be looking at one woman, Mary, the mother of Jesus, as our example of motherhood. And Mary has been seen in very different lights over the years. Uh, in the Catholic Church, uh, she's venerated uh, by some almost to the embarrassment uh, of many. And in the Protestant Church, she has often been ignored. But I see in her a supreme example of what a mother should do. And we would do well to follow her example. Both moms and even those who aren't moms. Hopefully you'll see that as well this morning. And I love our text this morning from Luke. It is the only text that gives us a glimpse into Jesus' childhood. We have the, the birth narratives. We know that story. And, and this little text... And then we jump to when Jesus is about 30 years old, somewhere around there. And, and I love this text because it gives us an interaction between the boy Jesus and his parents. And specifically with uh, Mary and Jesus. It's a situation that has been played out in one way or another in many families throughout the ages. Mom looks at dad and says, where's little Johnny? Dad looks at mom and says, I thought you had him. Mom looks back at dad with that glare in her eye saying, no, you were supposed to have him. And then there's that sinking feeling in your, in your gut, that sense of urgency and panic and fear. Uh, this is one of those moments for Mary and Joseph. Now, usually when, when, when preachers, when we teach or teach, uh, preach on this text, the focus is on Jesus and and rightly so, the focus should be on Jesus. But I want us to approach the text as uh, Professor Ellsworth, Ellsworth Callis would say, we're going to approach it from the backside. We're going to look at it from the backside. We see, we see Jesus here, but I want us to focus on Mary this morning. So we're going to reread our text in segments and, and spend some time learning from her. Now, it starts out saying this. Now, every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Let's stop right there for a moment. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. I hope you, I hope you caught that. You see, there are three great feasts of Judaism, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And in Exodus 23, we, we read that uh, every male was required to go to Jerusalem each year for these three festivals. Now, it was just a requirement for the males, but typically families would travel together, uh, and we see both Mary and Joseph going. And, and we see that Mary played an important role in her child's spiritual life. Jesus grew up in a home where God's laws were obeyed and where annual festivals were attended by the whole family. See, Jesus' parents had the right priorities. Families that have established regular habits of worship are much better prepared to deflect the arrows of this world that seek to destroy and distort and distract families. Mary made sure that her family obeyed the law and worshiped God. They were at temple. They went to the festivals. They were a family that obeyed God's word. How about you? Are you making sure that your family is obeying God's law and worshiping God? Our calling here at First Methodist Church is to 
glorify God in worship, to grow in likeness of Jesus, and to give our lives in love of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And we are called to make sure our children grow up in worship. Grow up knowing what it means to be in a community of faith where they can be learning as disciples and growing and giving their lives away in service. That's what we're called to do. This morning in the first service, we had confirmation for our sixth graders, for some of these kids that uh, are, are learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's our job to make sure they're in worship. Mary went with her family to Jerusalem, as was their custom. Let's continue to read. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. See, here's the thing. Some of us might be thinking in the back of our head, Wow, what terrible parents these are, that they traveled a whole day and didn't figure this out. But, but you have to understand context and culture at this point, because at 12 years of age, Jesus is considered almost an adult. He is now old enough of being responsible for keeping the law. He, he would have gone through his bar mitzvah sometime at this point. And it says that Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Now, why didn't they know? Here's the thing. Because we know that people would travel as a family group or in groups of people to these festivals. So it'd be a big caravan of family, an extended family uh, coming from the same communities. And the women and children would customarily travel in the front. They'd be in the front. And the men would be in the back. So at 12 years of age, Jesus could have been in the front still, hanging out with mom and the other women. Or because he is coming of age, he could have been traveling at the back with the men. And so this is why they didn't realize he wasn't with them until the end of the day when they stopped. And then it says this, Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. I think a better reading would have been this way. When they didn't find him, they freaked out. They panicked. They prayed. They fretted. They feared. They started yelling his name throughout the countryside, right? Because that's really what happened. And then it says this, After three days, can you imagine? Three days. They found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. I'm wondering if that's really what she said, too. If there's, they took some of those pieces out, I'm not sure. But can you hear the tone in Mary's voice? She's scolding Jesus. Even Jesus was scolded by his mom, if you can imagine. Now, Jesus certainly didn't want to cause his earthly parents distress. And we hear Jesus' reply. He said, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. 
Then they went down with him and came to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. These are Jesus' first recorded words in the Gospel of Luke. And they are words reminding his parents and us, the readers, of who Jesus really is. Jesus wasn't being disobedient. He was, wasn't trying to be disobedient. But he was acting out his true identity. But it also says that Jesus, he did. He was obedient to his parents. And that Mary treasured these things in her heart. That's what a mother does, isn't it? She treasures her children's memories and successes. Mary knows that Jesus is the Messiah, but, but doesn't truly understand what that all means. But she'll treasure these moments, even the painful ones, in her heart. And so, moms, are you treasuring those moments you have with your children? Are you pouring into their lives even though you aren't certain of all that your children will become? But you need to be certain that you have a major role in who they are becoming, either good or bad. And we've seen this snapshot of Mary when Jesus is 12. But throughout her life, she's a faithful woman of God, a faithful mother as well. Just one chapter earlier in Luke, we read of Mary's reply when the angel tells her that she's pregnant, is going to have a baby. And, and you remember what she said to the angel? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Do you want to know what a mom is to do? There it is. Here, I, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. A godly mother is first called to be a servant of God. Let me say that again. A mom's role is to first be a servant of the Lord. Your role as mom begins there, and this must take priority over everything else. And you have to be vigilant in this duty. You know well the situation of the pregnancy. Mary experienced shame as the world looked on in contempt at her bulging stomach. This was a shame-based culture. And bringing shame to a family was devastating for the entire family. Not just Mary and Joseph, but the extended family as well. It touched any around her like the plague. She would be considered an outcast from now on because of that sin. But she endured this shame because she knew her calling as a mom. And again, because she was first to be a servant of God. A mom will go through all kinds of shame to be a mom. To do whatever it takes. And a mother's concern... You know... It doesn't stop when the child grows up. It doesn't stop throughout. You know, a mom will go to hell and back <laughs> to take care of her child. She'll endure shame and frustration because that's what a mom is supposed to do. That is a mom's calling. This is their job description. It's what makes them mom. And Jesus in his early 30s, we see this other story, this other glimpse into the life of Mary when, when Jesus has grown up. He's, he's teaching and the, it says that there's such a crowd around him and that the house is so crowded uh, that his mom can't get through. And in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that Jesus and his disciples are so busy that they can't even find time to eat. And Mary is concerned for Jesus because she's a mom. 
so much so that she, think he might, she thinks he might be going crazy. Uh, so she gathers Jesus' half-brothers, and they try to get Jesus and take him away from the crowd, but, but they can't even get through the crowd, so she sends a message to, to go up to Jesus and, says, and, and someone says, Hey, Jesus, your mom is outside wanting to see you. And Jesus replies this way, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Ouch. Mary gets rebuked by her son. Now, it's respectful, but I'm sure it stung just the same. I know most mothers can relate to that as well. But it's important that we understand that Jesus is giving us a lesson here. He is telling each of us, men, women, that spiritual relationships are just as important and just as binding as physical relationships. You see, this is the basis on which Jesus is building this new community called the church. You and I. The Christian family. And this speaks to all of us. To those who aren't mothers, you have been commanded and empowered to act like mothers to those in the community of faith. To those who aren't fathers, you have now been commanded and empowered to act like a spiritual father to all those who are younger than you. To those who have lost children, you have now gained a whole slew of children that are in your care spiritually. As I said in the the first service, we confirmed nine sixth graders. You just received nine new children to take care of. You did. That's your responsibility now. When you joined this church, you said, I will do this. See, that's, that's what the, the Christian family looks like. This is our role to be spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and family. And mothers, your job, your responsibility is to raise children who will ultimately do the will of God. Mary had to learn this. In fact, we know that she was an integral part of Jesus' life and his ministry throughout his life. And I want us to look at one more picture of motherhood from her life this morning. And this is one of the most difficult. And from John, we read these words. Standing near the cross was Jesus' mother. Wow. Many mothers here have experienced that suffering, the loss of a child. And imagine the incredible grief Mary's feeling as she helplessly looks upon her child and she can't do anything about it. But being a faithful mother that she was, she stood right there as her child was being crucified. And I I wonder if in that moment she didn't think back, if she wasn't transported back to the temple when She brought Jesus uh, to the temple to be dedicated. And remember the the prophet, Simon, spoke to her and said this, A sword will pierce your own soul too. Here was that piercing that was taking place for her. She was a faithful mom to the very end. And she is, I believe, a supreme example of what it means to be a mother. 
God chose well when he chose Mary for this great honor. But he has chosen all of us for this as well, to be fathers and mothers. So I want to remind you again of what it means to to truly be a mother. It means obedience to God's laws and faithfully worshiping God and making sure your children are as well. It means treasuring the honor and privilege of being a mother, to not take for granted the moments you have been given as a mom. And it means that you are first a servant of God that serves the family by serving God. It means your heart will be broken. (laughs) All of our hearts are broken at one time or another in this life. But for Mary and for each of us, we are called to be faithful every day, even to the very end. So this morning, I, I praise God this morning for all great mothers who know the true meaning of motherhood. Let us pray.